This episode of the Fight Talk Podcast is brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon, and check out at Vacated Title on Twitter for the latest updates. Hey everybody, welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen. Today's episode of Fight Talk is a returning guest, Mr. Tommy Toehold. Tommy is best known for his work as a cartoonist and comedian. You can find his work all over YouTube. His Tommy Toehold channel is absolutely hilarious. His videos are funny. He's a funny guy. He's a real nice guy. And it was really great having him back on the show. He's also a part of UFC Tonight, which you can find on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, depending on where it's airing at the time. You can find his work as a part of UFC Tonight. And you also might know Tommy Toehold as the voice of the outro for every Fight Talk podcast episode. That's right. He's the guy who's telling all you motherfucking Mark-ass motherfucking Marks to stay listening to iTunes and Podomatic for the Fight Talk podcast to its maximum effect, because that's what's up. And without further ado, enjoy my conversation with the returning Tommy Toehold. How you been, man? I've been very well. How about you? Dude, I've been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today again, man. I really appreciate it. For everybody listening right now, if you've ever heard uh, one of my podcasts, at the end of every one of my shows, I have an outro, and it was by this man, Tommy Toehold. It's his classic Nate Diaz voice. Uh, Tommy, thank you once again for that. I don't know if I ever told you. I've been using your voice on every one of my episodes since we last talked. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, man, it's great. It's one of those, hey, motherfucking Mark-ass motherfucking Marks. I'm fucking, it's so good, man. Fucking love it. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Uh, so we're just going to freestyle this episode, man. I wanted to, I know I had an opportunity to talk to you and I figured we'd, uh, we just talk some MMA, man. How's that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it, man. Dude. All right. So the first question I got for you, it's, it's the million dollar question. It's the question everybody's asking. Uh, even at work today, I walked by, uh, some people at work, you know, they know I'm, I'm in MMA, got pulled to the side by a complete stranger today. And he said, dude, is this Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor thing going to go down? I have my opinions on it. I want to know yours. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, you know, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have told you there's no way. Uh, but the way things have been shaking down and shaping up, I, I certainly do believe it's going to be something that will happen. You know, you look at any kind of deal like this, and I feel like anytime everybody feels like they're getting one up on the other person, then that thing is going to happen. And that's how this feels. It feels like every party involved feels like they're getting something out of somebody and getting one over on them. Therefore, this deal is going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of logistics, getting it set up, and, and getting it all taken care of. Because for Connor, it's a huge win. For Floyd, it's a huge win. For whatever boxing promotion's involved, it's a huge win. And for the UFC, it's a huge win. There are no losers in this fight. Well, other than the loser at the end, but in reality, everybody's getting paid, which is why it's for sure going to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was very similar to my my assessment of the situation, and it's just a matter of like making all parties happy at the end of the day. And I don't know, like, do you think that Connor is worth like the fifty fifty pay that I think that they're kind of shooting for? Because when you think about 
you know, why this fight's a big deal, it's not because Floyd Mayweather is involved. Because if you look at Floyd's other fights, if he fights somebody who's not a big draw, the fight's not going to draw. He is going to end up like his last pay-per-view, which was one of his worst uh, in the last 10 years. And Connor is the draw here. Connor is the reason why this fight between the two of them combined makes it a big deal. So he does have an argument for equal pay. I don't know if he'll get it, but even if he doesn't, I still think he's gonna he's gonna make out pretty damn well at the end of this thing. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. It's something I've talked about as well, where if you look at it from like a year to year basis, if Connor fights three times for the UFC the amount of pay-per-view he's doing, like regardless of who his opponent is, he's going to equal around, give or take, what like Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather did in the one show. But that's what you have to kind of weigh, I feel like, is like, you know, in boxing, this is going to happen like once a year. And it's only going to be big if Floyd Mayweather's involved against another big opponent. So I think you're right on, man. And I, I, think, I think the fight's going to take place. I just... I just feel like there's too many people talking about it at this point for it to not happen. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's an inevitability. I don't know when it's going to go down exactly, but it's going down. Now, if it happens, are you of the mindset that it's pretty obvious this is, you know, it's going to be all Floyd, Connor's got kind of the puncher's chance in this one, but, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously vice versa, if this happened in the UFC or on the streets, we got Connor all day in this one. Do you, do you think Floyd's just going to run away with this and everyone's just going to, you know, just get a big payday out of it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> right. it's, it's hard to look at that, that fight and, and say, you know, with any sort of, what's the word I'm looking for here, um, authority that Connor is going to, you know, win this fight or, or do really well. It, it's just Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think another thing that needs to be mentioned is I think that people like on the outside looking in, like I, I mean, we kind of are as well, but I mean more from like a casual fan perspective. I think that they see this as I've I've heard the argument. Well, Connor's going to be wearing you know eight or ten ounce gloves, and he's usually wearing four ounce gloves. And I'm like, yeah, but in boxing against a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who is very difficult to hit. The bigger gloves, I think, are going to work to his advantage because it's going to have it's going to give him a better chance of hitting Floyd just just by pure physics, and in Connor's strength, I mean, I feel like if you can knock someone out with a four ounce glove, you can still knock someone out with an eight ounce glove. So, 
I mean, I think it's really interesting. Um, for the record, I will be putting a little money down on, on Connor in this one just because of the odds that have come out so far. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody with the money to bet on Floyd. No, yeah, you, I mean, it would just be... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the line is insane. Yeah. Uh, well, moving on from that, I wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick because that's, that's a topic that seems to just be never-ending, but it is it is intriguing. Uh, but probably the biggest news that's happened over the last couple of weeks is the announced return of George St. Pierre to the UFC. Uh, what are your thoughts on George coming back? It's great. I mean, it, it's good for the sport. It's good for the UFC. And it's good for GSP. I mean, he's 35 years old. Left on sort of not a sour note, but a, an odd one, and he gets to come back and show people that he is fresh and, and feels good. I think he's going to do well, uh, and of course, all the fights he's going to be involved in are, you know, major, major fights. The thing that for the UFC is it, it couldn't have happened at a better time, um, and because you look at the the schedule for the year, you look at what we're we're working with at the moment. And a lot of the stars are either gone or out or whatever. You know, you've got Ronda Rousey probably not returning. You've got Connor off chasing Floyd. And while that will benefit the UFC when it happens, most experts think it won't happen until at least early next year. So you're talking about a schedule without very many stars. And GSP, you know, he... He's a star. I mean, he is the guy. He was the guy, and uh, he could still be the guy. And not to mention his impact on Canada. I just—it's—it's a—it's such a win for everyone. And um, I'm excited to see it. If it were a few more years, I don't think I would have been. If he would have been like 37, and it had been that long, you know. But I am anxious to see it, and and we'll see. If the first fight's not very good, maybe not so much anymore after that. But they've got my attention, and uh, and I'm ready to see it. You brought up a lot of great points, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think another great point you make is is the Canadian point, because the, probably the second biggest Canadian star in the world of mixed martial arts is, I, I would imagine, is Rory McDonald, who's now in Bellator. So they, they really... The UFC doesn't have like a huge Canadian like main event presence, and... Also, I think you're 100% right about this timing being great. I actually heard, I believe it was Ariel Hawani bringing up the, like, kind of the question recently of would they have brought GSP back uh, right now, you know, had Ronda Rousey won and, you know, had John Jones been around and Brock Lesnar not, you know, quote unquote retire. And that's a whole nother subject. You know, I'm of the opinion that Brock is, is strictly retired so that you saw it as not sniffing around during WrestleMania season. I think he's going to be right back in the UFC come this summer. But I, I I think that George coming back is huge. And who do you think that we're going to see George square off against first? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, there were so many, there's so many rumors. There's so many different fights that people have said, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And, you know, I, it's just, I have no idea. I hope it's a high-level fight. I mean... I, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the star power, I suppose. Because at this point, you know, we don't need to see GSP fighting for a title necessarily. You know, if they want to do him and Bisbean, if Bisbean uh, beats Yoel Romero or something, well, that's fine. But, like, 
you know, I don't need to see him in the welterweight uh, race. I don't need to see him, you know, oh, let's have him go against a number one contender. You know, let's do some fun fights. Uh, if they want to run Nick Diaz back again, I, I mean, how much fun would that be? That would be a blast. If they want to do him and Anderson, because they never got a chance to. Uh, you know, I'm cool with that, too. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like they're going to end up putting him against somebody big. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'd imagine that, you know, given our time at the moment, maybe they're going to save him for 200. Or not 200, I'm sorry, International Fight Week. I, I just I referred it to 200 because last year's was. Yes, but, uh, right, I follow you, know, I follow International Fight Week or potentially maybe right before that to set up a fight for International Fight Week. But I do believe that with him back, they're going to be basing their major schedule around George, which is fun. Once again, some really great points there. And, you know, I don't know if I want to see him and Nick again. Like, Nick's my favorite fighter of all time. I've, I've stated that publicly many times. He's, he's I get the most excited for Nick Diaz fights. But stylistically, I just don't I just don't know. Like, unless Nick has really, really worked on his wrestling, which we all know at this point just isn't really going to happen. I just I don't see it being very competitive, kind of like the first fight. But obviously the buildup, I'm all about him and George, you know, the buildup of that fight. And I'd absolutely pay to watch it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I do think, I mean, I really I really think that they're going to do George St. Pierre and Michael Bisping for the middleweight title. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my gut feeling is where they're going to go with this. And if that is the case, are you a fan in any way of, of that idea? is unquestionably one of the greatest fighters of all time. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to throw him in a situation like that, it's hard to say, oh, no, you know, he shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, how are you going to argue against... And it's not like Anderson. Like, Anderson, you can argue against now. He has had a rough run for quite a while now. George, while his last fight was controversial, he never lost his belt. And he was always competing at the highest level consistently. So even though it's, it's been quite a layoff, if they want to do that, I'm, I'm all right with it. You know, it, it's not something that I would uh, throw a big fuss about. That division is, is a bit of a log jam at the moment, and it's kind of crazy. But that's just the nature of the UFC now. You know, it, it's one of those things where, like, this is the new norm. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm all right with it. Uh, and, and I would definitely uh, watch it absolutely if i'm michael bisbing at least i am i'm begging the ufc for that fight i think that if michael bisbing i and i believe that's what he's doing you know the middleweight division is a log jam but it's a log jam full of killers that all match up pretty bad against against bisbing from bisbing's perspective in, in my this is my personal opinion of course but I think in a, re- in, a, in a third fight with Luke Rockhold, I don't think Bisbing does very well. Although I did pick Bisbing to beat Rockhold the second time. I thought just the timing of how everything lined up. And I am a Bisbing fan. Like, seeing him win the belt, I was really happy for him. But you see guys like Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, and then, of course, a little bit higher up, Yoel Romero, as well as Jacare Souza. And there's other names I'm sure that I'm missing. And you got this list of killers. And if I'm Michael Bisbing, I'm probably sitting back going... I'm not a very good match for any of these guys. Who's going to make me the most money kind of on my way out of here? And I think that's definitely George. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, I mean, 
there's no doubt. He is the money fight at this point. Like I said, he he's the only star at the moment, really. I mean, we're talking about major, major stars in the UFC. Who else is there? You know, that's that's available. It's it's just George. You're you're 100 right, and and that kind of leads me into my next point. It's something that you brought up. You had mentioned you just the kind of a quote. This is the new norm in the UFC. The UFC is definitely changing, like right before our eyes, and and you know. I'm probably not as well connected as you are. I, well, I definitely am not. I, I know for a fact I'm not. But I, I would say, like from a because you've actually you've, you've you've met. I mean, God, I would love to meet the people you've met in in this sport, man. It's it's awesome. But regardless, you know, just kind of kind of from like your perspective, because you probably got a much better perspective than me. Have you seen? firsthand like like people you know that are affiliated with the UFC maybe per se that have given you any kind of feedback on what it's like with this new ownership versus what it was like under the Fertitas? Not really you know um, a lot of the people I've spoken with have already either left the company or are not in uh, in any position that they would probably tell me anything like that like we wouldn't be close enough for them to feel confident to tell me that uh, so, no, I really haven't heard a lot about it. it it's kind of uh, the big mystery right now, you know, in, in the sport. It's how is this going to affect it long term? At the moment, we can see the changes. Uh, staff cuts are, are a normal thing, you know, when, when a company takes over and they want to put their own people in, they want to consolidate, they want to try to uh, cut the fat, as it were. And that part I kind of expected to happen. But their vision for the sport, I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to say. Obviously, they got a TV deal coming up soon uh, with the Fox contract ending, and they're going to be looking to either renew with them uh, and get a better deal or go somewhere else and get a better deal. I don't know. I, I would imagine that they are going to try to keep the product as much as they can as it is currently uh, because they know that it has quite a base and then sort of do what they do, which is the entertainment side of things. Uh, this company is an entertainment company, and, and they're around the entertainment business. I have a feeling they're going to try to get away from the pay-per-view model and, of course, still have pay-per-views for really big cards, but more so try to focus on television if possible and uh, maybe even shorten the amount of cards that they have a year. I mean, we saw the, the UFC made quite a bit of, uh, of roster cuts uh, the last couple of, uh, I think, a week ago, uh, maybe. And, um, yeah, right now it just seems like they're really sort of consolidating and cutting it down and, and cutting, uh, cutting away what they don't want. And, uh, they are going to go forward with their vision, whatever that might be. It's going to take a while though, I think to really kind of, uh, to understand where it is they're going to go with this thing. Yeah, I really think that that's that's the biggest question is like what is their overall vision for what they want the UFC to be? Because you know, I I mean, I think getting rid of getting away from the pay-per-view model is I think that'd be a great move. And I think it's smart to keep some big pay-per-views just like you said, but I've heard the argument before uh from from, you know, people who have, you know, very good opinions on on the sport who've said you know, if you want to be legitimate, you want like the MLB, the NBA, and all those big, you know, big sports organizations. Like, you can't have all your big stuff on pay per view. Like, no one else does that. And 
I, I also get from the perspective though of like if people are willing to pay sixty dollars for all of your shows, why would you want to? Why would you want to end that? You know, we we saw the WWE end it because no one was buying their pay per views anymore, and they figured, hey, we'll do this network for ten dollars a month. You get the pay per views included. We'll take ten dollars instead of zero dollars from these people. So, I think that they were smart and like what they did, but it's interesting to me with this new ownership because I feel like. And I could be a million percent wrong, but I feel like they weren't – like they don't really understand what they purchased. Like it's like – it's almost right. like – you know, like they put $4 billion into this because it was like the sexy thing to do and they had the money to do it and they had relationships with some of these fighters already. But did, like what were they buying it for? Like were they buying it like thinking they could turn it into like a WWE type product or like what what are, what are they what are they thinking because – it's it's becoming I've I've said it for a long time. I want a product similar to what we had in Pride. Like I like the larger than life characters and you know the fights and all that stuff. Right. You know, but but we're in this spot where like contenders mean absolutely nothing at this point and it's all about pay-per-view buys versus like the actual sport. So I'm really confused myself. I think the biggest change we're gonna see is when Dana White eventually steps away. Yes. Once Dana steps away I think that's when the most drastic changes will occur, because he is such a force in this sport. He's such an uh, integral part of what makes MMA and, and more specifically the UFC what it is. When he walks away, it is going to change dramatically. I, I have a feeling, not just within what they choose to do with their product, but the dynamic with the fighters and the organization and everything else, and uh, that's going to be really fascinating. There are certainly a lot of changes ahead in the future. I don't know what, like we said, we don't know what they are, but in the next five years, if if we cut to five years from now, it's going to look a lot different. The UFC is going to look different, the product is going to be different, and it is going to reflect the new ownership more so than anything I do agree with you. They may not have known exactly what they were getting into with it, but they certainly are now probably figuring that out. They're figuring out what what this thing is, what it's like, and they've got Dana to sort of guide the ship at the moment, and then when he steps away, they're going to take the reins and say, okay, I've watched long enough. This is what we think we should do with it going forward. Yeah, that's a great point, man, and that's kind of a really scary thing for me to think about as an MMA fan like because Dana already seems and I, I know you've, you've met him before and I don't know like what your relationship with him is but from what I understand like he's kind of half checked out already like he hasn't been like a part like all these people have like been let go from like like Mike Goldberg for instance like Mike Goldberg has publicly stated that Dana White had at least at the point of the interview that I saw, which was like a week or two after he left, Dana White still hadn't even reached out to Mike Goldberg to even like thank him for his time with the company. Like he's been so far removed from all these decisions. And like when the Canadian office, like that whole place got shut down, he was nowhere to be found or heard from. And, and guys like Eric Winter from, from fight pass who like grew fight pass from nothing into like this really awesome thing. Like, I don't know what his relationship with Dana is, but seeing guys like that leave the company and, and it's just kind of like how I, I really feel like the only reason Dana is there at all is because these owners, these new owners would not have purchased it without him staying. Cause they don't, cause they don't know what to do with it. 
It is. It is. It is crazy. I, and and what? But another po- great point you brought up, along with with what we're talking about, is the fighters' relationships because with, with the owners. Because I think that that's a big issue too with uh, with something like what we're seeing with Conor McGregor right now. Because Conor McGregor and Lorenzo Fertitta have a great relationship, and if it, I guarantee, well, I I can't say guarantee, but I would assume that if. You know, if if the UFC was in a tight spot and Lorenzo Fertitta were to call Conor McGregor as the owner and say, "Listen, Conor, we really need you to fight in like in like two weeks from now. Like, I know it's last minute. It's going to be against this guy at this date at this time. Conor's going to be like, I love you, Lorenzo. Let's do it." But he has no prior relationship to this WMEIMG group, who is just coming in kind of as tyrants and I feel like they're rubbing the the fighters the wrong way, and and we're seeing. Which is, I guess, will this kind of lead into my next kind of uh, topic here, the fighter free agency that we're seeing now. We're seeing more and more fighters wind up in Bellator. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think this is a good thing for MMA, having this number two promotion as like a viable option? I think competition is always a good thing. Uh, in, in any business, it's good for everyone involved. Coke benefits from Pepsi existing. And there's always room for a strong number two brand. Um, I don't think it's ever going to turn the tide so much that Bellator someday takes that spot as the elite organization over the UFC. But as they become more competitive, and like you said, with free agency and, and then picking up some of these you know, more marquee fighters, it certainly is going to, of course, benefit Bellator. But I do think in the long run it benefits the sport, which also benefits the UFC. So uh, I certainly think it's always good to have a strong number two brand. And, you know, like with pro wrestling, of course. Yep. WCW and WWE were never any hotter than when they were competing against each other on Monday nights. You know, like that was the the peak, right? So it's it's just, it's proven among so many different businesses and so many different models, absolutely it is a benefit to them. And I think it's good to have that number two. But like I said, I, I don't think it'll ever it'll, – it'll never like turn completely where Bellator somehow takes that top spot and, and the UFC is seen as the second brand. But I do think they can become a very strong number two, stronger even than they are now, uh, which is pretty strong. I, I do sometimes criticize Bellator – uh, for some of the stuff they do, but uh, overall, their brand is doing really well, and they're making, I think, a lot of good business decisions. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is all good stuff. Um, I, I don't think this is going to really hurt anybody. Uh, certainly doesn't hurt the fighters. Certainly won't hurt Bellator, and uh, won't hurt the UFC either. Well, you know that 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 whole discussion can't be had without bringing up WCW versus WWF from the Monday Night Wars. I mean, right. being being the the pro wrestling fan I am and the I know you used to be a big fan yourself, so of course we've got to bring absolutely. that up. Now, speaking of Bellator, uh, staying on that subject for just a second here, uh how how bummed out were you about that whole Fedor Matt Mitrione thing falling apart last minute? It's just uh I mean, uh, of all the Bellator things that can happen, it was just you know, it, it was crazy. These things do happen, of course, you know, occasionally in MMA. And, uh, it was obviously a legitimate thing, a, a legitimate problem. He couldn't fight uh, with kidney stones. But, um, 
yeah, you know, it, it just, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. You know, it's just really bad, bad luck. Um, in terms of the fight itself, I mean, of course, I, I wanted to watch it. But honestly, I, I, Fedor at this point, I wasn't that interested in that. Um, other than like that, that great nostalgic feel. You know, he his last fight uh, in Russia when he fought Fabio Maldonado, Fabio won that fight. The ref should have stopped it. Fedor was in trouble two times where they should have stopped that fight. And I just, he's not the same fighter that he was. And to put him against a guy like Matt Mitrione, which Matt Mitrione's not, you know, the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time or anything, but he's at a level that I feel like, and size-wise, would have just been very problematic for Fedor. You know, and even though Fedor obviously, you know, was a giant killer his whole career, things are changing. I mean, uh, the, the, the sun is setting on Fedor. And that fight in particular, I just thought, oh no, Fedor is going to get just demolished. He's going to take a big shot and he's going to go down and it's going to be over. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe he would have come in there and, and looked like the Fedor of old and, and threw a big shot and put Mitrione down. Certainly possible. But, yeah, you know, it, that's the thing that Bellator, they, they, they do these fights. And it's like, well, shit, i got to watch this. Like, you're not going to not watch it. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, man, what is going on? Like, uh, Hoist versus Shamrock. I mean, the whole time I'm watching that, I'm just like, this is just silly. What are we doing, guys? Of course I'm going to watch it. I mean, I cover the sport. Would I have watched it if I didn't cover the sport? I don't know. If I was as big a fan as I am, uh, you know, currently, probably not because I would have said this is just stupid. Uh, but if I were a more casual fan and I knew those names and it was a Friday night and I was hanging out with some buddies drinking some beers, hell yeah, I'm putting that fight on. Are you kidding me? And then I would have just enjoyed it for what it was. So I, I get what they're doing. Like, I get that model and I get what they're appealing to. But yeah, sometimes when they book these fights, I'm just like, oh no. And and Fedor versus Mitrione was one of those fights. Well, you know, they had a huge reality check when they did that Kimbo versus Dada 5000 fight, and he literally, Dada literally died, like, and, yeah. and was revived. And then it's like, okay, we probably need to back off a little bit on this whole freak show fight thing. We're putting people in here who are so underqualified to be here that they're literally dying on our watch. Like, that, yeah, you know. That, one was, that was bad. And, and, you know, of course they showed tremendous heart. Uh, you know, duking it out like that, and, and, and respect to both of them uh, for getting in there. Uh, you know, nothing against them in that regard. But yeah, when you watch that fight, you, exactly. Uh, and then not to mention the medical issues that he ended up having because of it. But yeah, you watch that fight, and, and there, there was just no reason. There was no reason to have that fight at that level. It was just silly. Right, and it's funny because you bring up like Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie. And sorry, like I don't mean disrespect to these guys. I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing at them. I just think it's funny that I'm I'm saying Ken Shamrock versus versus Hoist Gracie, like in 2017. I'm I'm saying I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about a fight between the two that happened last year, or even like. Uh, and this is not like a shit all over Bellator thing because I I am going to mention some things I really like about Bellator here in just a second, but. I mean, I'm the biggest pro wrestling fan you'll ever find. And even I thought it was incredibly lame when Road Warrior Animal came out with Ken Shamrock for a Bellator fight. You know, I'm just like, what is this? This is so, this is so corny. Like, <laughs> it's so pro wrestling. 
Yeah, and and dude, and I'm all about pro wrestling. Like, I was just like, but Ken Shamrock and Road Warrior Animal were never like a team or anything, or you know, it isn't like it's you know, rest in peace. But it's it's not like it's Hawk about to to fight in Bellator and his his tag team partners come with. It's just this random pro wrestler that like maybe half the audience like maybe is gonna know even who he is this guy with his face painted who's coming out with ken shamrock i i don't know i just thought the whole thing and that actually leads me right into like the last kind of like what the fuck is going on with bellator point i want to make what were your thoughts on the tito ortiz versus chael sonen fight uh you know it's it's one of those things where um it, it it's it's one of those things that you know, at the time, everybody was like, oh, my God, this this must be, like, a fix, and, and it's so ridiculous. And, and obviously, the lead-up is – Tino Ortiz is, is a cartoon character. Right. Everything about him is cartoony. He comes out there, and, and, and he just – it, it was so – I knew it was going to be like that. And I didn't know how the fight was going to go, of course. I mean, I wasn't sure. Part of me thought that, you know, Chael might be able to pull it off, uh, even though he was uh, sort of uh, a little bit undersized, probably. Now I know you know he didn't uh, he didn't look his best in there, and, and he didn't look his best uh, during that you know the, the weigh-ins previous. So that kind of made me think, oh, I don't know how this is going to go because you always you know uh, Tito is always one of those guys that he I, I'll, I'll give him credit for this he, he's always ready you know and uh, so the, the the fight goes down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the finish. Was was disappointing. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, that was it!" But the, the cries of of it being uh, a fix—I mean, that's so ridiculous. Because to me, if you're going to do something illegal that could throw you in jail, that could get you in that much trouble, why would you not just make the choke look a little bit more like a real normal choke? Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, for it, sure. it just that to me. We're saying, oh, that's fixed. I'm like, guys, if you're fixing a fight, what on earth would compel you to fix a fight in such a way where it's like, okay, what's the finish going to be? Uh, it's going to be a rear naked choke. Okay, well, instead of just doing a regular rear naked choke that would never be suspicious to anyone, can you go ahead and just, just kind of crush my face a little bit, and then and then I just tap for no reason, and then, you know, it's just it's such a stupid thing. I can't believe that people thought that was fixed. I, I mean, I get that it was a weird-looking thing. But think about it logically. It just doesn't make sense if you were going to... I would give them way more credit than that to pull off a fake fight. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's my thoughts on that. They're they're pulling off much more convincing rear naked chokes in the WWE, and we all know that that's fixed. So I'm with you. I'm with you for sure on that. I don't think it was a fixed fight. Um, It was nice seeing Tito go out... (coughs) Excuse me, go out on top. Uh, I will say that uh, I, I I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, and if I if I haven't, Tito Ortiz is a very very big reason why I became a fan of mixed martial arts when I did. You know, I kind of grew out of him, if you will, and I became a fan of you know much different type of fighters throughout the years. But he was really one of the first guys that that really pulled me into the sport, and that was when he was uh, having his feud with Frank Shamrock uh, back at geez, that was in like UFC thirty something, thirty seven something like that. And anyway, so I've always been a big fan of Tito. It was cool seeing him go out on top. But that leads me kind of my next question about Chael Sonnen. Do you think Bellator, I don't know exactly what Chael Sonnen makes, but I'd assume he's probably the highest paid fighter on the on the roster. If not, he's he's 
probably one of the top one, two, three guys. Do you think that they overpaid for for getting a guy like Chael Sonnen, um, even not knowing exactly what he made, like just kind of assuming? Or do you think they're getting a big return on investment as him as you know more than a fighter, like as a personality and a guy to go out and promote the uh, the business and the company? Yeah, he, he's a brand. You know, he, he's a guy that is going to help your company in ways that are go way beyond fighting, certainly. And I think he will fight again, you know. Um, I know his contract has quite a few fights on it. Um, I don't know if they're going to be that great of fights, but then, again, it doesn't really matter. Like you said, Chael is, is a valuable asset in regards to MMA. He gets the business, he understands how it works, and, and, and to have him on with Bellator is, is going to add value in, in a million different ways that maybe aren't tangible right away, but certainly is going to benefit them a lot. Uh, he is a guy that I think, you know, uh, either in MMA or pro wrestling, uh, because he is such a, uh, a fan of that business as well, uh, and he understands what makes those appealing to people. He understands what makes pro wrestling appealing. He understands what makes MMA appealing. You know, he, he took that, that blueprint for pro wrestling, and he is one of the ones that most effectively applied it to mixed martial arts. And uh, to have a mind like that, a guy that's that sharp around your organization, uh, it, it's it's absolutely massively beneficial. And uh, I think he will continue to help Bellator uh, in ways, many many ways outside of just a draw for a fight or inside the cage. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I, I think that I think that's more so what they were purchasing. Like you said, they were purchasing the Chael Sonnen brand with that contract. Like they're gonna get some big fights out of him, but more importantly, they're gonna get somebody as an ambassador for their company. And we all know Scott Coker is a is a great guy and the fighters love to fight for him, but he's very different than Dana White in the way in which he promotes his business. And I think Chael can be a faker head uh for Bellator in that way. And, you know, also speaking of guys like Chael Sonnen and, and Tito Ortiz, I'll, I'll just say my my opinion, and I want to get yours too, but I lost a lot of respect for Fedor. Now, like kind of like you were saying, like his career is kind of winding down. I, I think he he absolutely lost that fight to Maldonado. That was that was home cooking if, if we've ever seen it. Those Russian judges giving him that fight was just like it was – it was so difficult for me to watch that. And being a Fedor fan from Pride and seeing all that happen, it was just a, it was a bummer. And I lost more respect for Fedor when he wouldn't take a last-minute opponent. And it isn't so much that he wouldn't take a last-minute opponent. It's that he was unwilling to fight a guy like Chael Sonnen or a guy like Tito Ortiz, like who are going to he's going to have so much size on some of these guys, and like it's right. just and it's just to keep the. It's to keep, you know, the card alive for the most sense because I guarantee you uh, literally millions of people decided not to watch this show when they found out that the quote-unquote greatest heavyweight of all time was not going to be on it anymore. So, like, just to save the card. Yeah, you know, so, like, it's like, do do you feel kind of the same way? Like, regardless of the opponent, like, I understand not wanting to go in there with maybe, like, Czech Congo, but, like, I mean, you're not going to fight Chael Sonnen, the guy who just lost to... Hichito Ortiz, like, if Ortiz can beat him, I mean, Fedor's got an actual chance against him. Like, I can't believe you wouldn't just, just take a fight like that. You know, Fedor doesn't, doesn't come off uh, to me as the type that is going to ever take a short-notice fight or, you know, even 
uh, consider that kind of thing. Unless you're going to throw so much money at him that, you know, he has no choice. Right. But uh, otherwise, to me, he is just one of those guys that has always been in the business of Fedor. And, and I'm not going to fault him for that because I think all fighters should be in the business of themselves. Uh, but he is definitely a guy that, given his track record, it didn't surprise me that he didn't, you know, take a short notice fight, even if it was going to be an easy one. Uh, simply because that's just not what Fedor does, you know. And a lot of career decisions he's made have not really rubbed me the right way. I do think he is one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's the greatest heavyweight of all time. He's not the greatest fighter of all time, in my opinion. Uh, well, one, I, I don't like goat conversations. I, they're hard to really uh, pin down. And But to me, he's up in that argument. Uh, but I, I would think there's a couple other ones that I think are, are more impressive. But that's neither here nor there. He's an incredible fighter, and I will always remember him as that. But certainly, uh, when it has come to business, he has always been uh, a bit of a challenge because he's looking out for number one. And again, you know, that's I can't really fault him for it, but it does get frustrating as a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you hear the lengths that the UFC went to throughout the years to sign him. Like, the things that we've heard that he was offered and just... Just the fact alone, like for so many years, he was with that M1 Global promotion that wanted to co-promote, which was just a ridiculous idea. Like these were things that just were, were never – the UFC was never going to agree to right. these things. And instead of Fedor – I hate saying it to, about somebody I respect so much, but I almost would have rather Fedor this whole time just come out and been like, I'm totally okay with fighting people that – keep me protected because that's that's what I'm doing. I'm fighting guys that I know I can beat and it's really not that challenging for the most part. Like I'm talking later on. Pride was obviously different, the the talent there, but since then, like just the fact that like you have the UFC literally begging you, like we're gonna give you pretty much anything you could ever imagine to come fight the best guys in the world and show the whole world what you can do. All these people who who've never seen you before. But you'd rather go fight Fabio Maldonado in Russia on some show that nobody's gonna watch. Like, are you right, are you right. kidding me? You know, so it's it is it's incredibly frustrating. But I'm with you on that on that goat conversation, man. You know, it's it's all opinion. I I don't think he was the greatest of all time, but I do think he's in the conversation. How about we talk about something on a positive note for Bellator? Well, I say I think it's positive because I've wanted to see this rematch. Uh, what are your thoughts on them announcing King Mo and Rampage too? guys and it makes sense it was a fight that i think you know uh, in, in the first time people weren't really satisfied and and i think that's the best kind of rematch you know when a, when a fight is not satisfying you know when people feel like oh well i don't really know you know so i think that that will draw interest because of that and then it'll draw interest because of the personalities. Uh, putting Rampage and Mo together is is gold. Uh, it's always great. It's always fun. Even if they're just bullshitting. Like, even if it's not, you know, legitimate anger at times and they're just having fun, it's just fun. You know, those right. are two guys that also get it. That it's, it's, you know, it is part pro wrestling. It is fun. It's supposed to be silly. And it's fun to watch those two go back and forth. King Mo is a guy that I've always enjoyed. Uh, his his antics, his personality, his persona uh, when it comes to uh, MMA are great and they're fun. 
when it comes to to Bellator. And the same thing with Rampage. I mean, Rampage has been doing this for so long and, and everywhere. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 100% on board. And that's the kind of fights these two dudes should be in anyway. You know, they should be fighting each other. They shouldn't just be fighting uh, other guys on the roster and stuff. It, it doesn't make much sense to me, to be quite honest with you. So, absolutely on board. And, uh, and, I, and I love it. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, man, and those are the reasons I want to see it. Everything you just said, like, the first fight left me definitely wanting more. And on top of that, I thought that Mo won the first fight and the decision went to Rampage. So I think that he has kind of that, you know, it's kind of his his chance for redemption here to to get his win back. So, you know, and of course, the, per, the two personalities, just that alone is going to be... I mean, you said it best. I mean that the the build up to that fight is going to be great. Both guys are essentially professional wrestlers, so yeah, man, I'm all about it. So a couple last things before we get out of here, man. Once again, thank you so much for your time again today. Anything coming up that the fans should be looking out for? Anything you've been working on? Well, the big thing that's that's changed recently is I'm back on uh, Fox Sports. So uh, if if you've got Fox Sports and uh, UFC tonight is on, I am very likely going to have a segment on it. So. Uh, in addition to the YouTube channel and everything else that's going on, definitely uh, check those those FS1 bits uh, out. They're a lot of fun to make. It's a unique challenge doing television in comparison, and I really enjoy it. I'm having a lot of fun, and I feel like they're going really well, and uh, I, I want to see as many people as possible uh, getting eyes on it. Uh, we've been on FS2 because of, uh, I think, uh, college basketball, but uh, I believe once March Madness is over, uh, UFC Night will be back on FS1. So that'll be really cool, and I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, that would, I would say that's the biggest thing at the moment. Well, and everybody check that out. For everyone listening right now, uh, you can catch Tommy Toehold on YouTube as well as Fox Sports. He says Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, depending on where, where things are airing right, at the time. Right, wherever UFC tonight is that week. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, Tommy, man, you're an inspiration to people like me. I know I've, I probably told you the first time we talked, but uh, just seeing – a guy like you who we all have a connection to as fans because you're one of us. You know, you're a guy who's essentially a self-made guy who did these cartoons that just make fans laugh. And now you can you you have a living doing it and not only that you're on I mean you're on Fox, the Fox networks. I mean that's that's amazing for for someone like me to see who you know does my own thing too, you know. So you're an inspiration to us all, man, and and I want to leave you with one well, you know what? One last thing before my my absolute last thing that I want to say is there is there anywhere else people can find you? Do you want to plug like your Twitter or anything else you got going on uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, no. I mean, uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, add Tommy Toehold on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Tommy Toehold. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Tommy Toehold, and uh, and of course YouTube.com slash Tommy Toehold. So uh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tommy. And this is the last thing I've got. So. Um, this is going to be a little tongue-in-cheek, almost inside joke, and I don't know if you remember talking to me last and what we talked about for some of the show, but I have one request for you, uh, one voice request. If you can learn this one, even if it's for a, a 10, 15-second clip, uh, doesn't definitely not on the spot, but are you open to, to learning a new voice for the Fight Talk podcast? Uh, what do you have in mind? <laughs> I, have, I have in mind, it's outside of the, the MMA realm, if you could give me, sometime down the line, a quick Lex Luger promo, I would absolutely love it. <laughs> so, so, uh, Lex 
Luger, definitely, man. Like, which which Lex Luger are we talking about? Because are we talking about like calm and sort of uh, boring Lex Luger who's who's reading off of uh, cue cards during his promos? Or are we talking about like uh, your t your t shirts are too tight, Billy uh, Lex Luger? Which one are we talking we're, about here? We're talking Lex Luger just fumbling over his words, not knowing what his <laughs> promo is supposed to be, Lex Luger. All right, um, you know, it's funny you say that because I've been recently getting into, uh, with the network, uh, a lot of the old WCW that I missed uh, as a kid growing up because I was I only watched WWE growing up. Uh, so I was sort of in that, that early, uh, what do they call it, the new era or whatever. The yeah. night, like the early 90s after Hogan and it was pretty shitty for a while. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, 1-2-3 Kid, New right, Generation, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously we go into the Attitude Era from there, but... So I missed a lot of that, like, early 90s uh, WCW, and I'm, I'm getting to rediscover it with the network, and it is hilarious, and I, I love it. It's so funny and cheesy, and uh, and Lex Luger, of course, like you said, when he came over uh, after uh, the Lex Express failure. Um, yes. <laughs> definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll do some studying, and I'll put one together for you. Oh, dude, that'd be great. Any Anything along those lines, man, if you could ever throw me some, some, some Lex Luger, some, like, Ultimate Warrior, something like that, because I, I love the uh, I love the dudes who just went off the rails uh, talking about God knows what and were just so jacked up while they were saying it. Uh, the, the, I, would, I would love to hear you do some of those guys sometime, man. That'd be awesome. Oh, hey, no problem, dude. I absolutely will. I'll, I'll come up with some stuff and put it together for you. Awesome. Well, Tommy, thanks again so much, man. It's been a, a real pleasure having you on the show, and uh, thanks again once again for your time. Yeah, not a problem. Absolutely. All right, everybody, and that was it. That was Tommy Toehold. Awesome dude. Uh, like he said, you could find him on Twitter. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, wherever you can find UFC Tonight is where you can find Tommy Toehold on the Fox Networks and I can't stress it enough. His YouTube channel is awesome. If you're not subscribed already, go ahead and subscribe right now. And if you want to subscribe to things that I do, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Podomatic. You just look for the Fight Talk podcast, and there it is. Easy to do. If you can rate and comment as well, that helps out the podcast a lot. It really does. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. You can also find my merchandise on whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. .net. Got t-shirts, got tank tops, got hoodies, stuff for kids, stuff for women, stuff for children, men's of course, anything you're looking for in a bunch of different colors, whatamaneuver.net. You can also follow me on Twitter at fighttalk underscore, that's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore, and that's actually what my new Instagram handle is as well, at fighttalk underscore. Uh, somebody else is running that account for me, and it's going to be mainly promotional stuff, but you can follow me on there as well. It is me personally on Twitter. It is my helper on the Instagram. So thank you guys very, very much for listening, and I will be back soon. Hey, motherfucking Mark, ass motherfucking Mark. Listen to Fight Talk on iTunes with maximum effect. That's the The episode you just heard of the Fight Talk podcast was brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon, and check out at VacatedTitle on Twitter for the latest updates.